welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hale. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. Each Wednesday on the Daily Devotion is Westminster Wednesday, where we break from our normal study of the Word of God and look at a section of the Westminster Confession of Faith. The Westminster Confession of Faith is the defining doctrinal statement for the Presbyterian Church in America and therefore for Christ Church Conway. It's not that we base our faith on the Westminster Confession. Rather, we believe that the Westminster Confession of Faith, together with the larger and shorter catechisms, faithfully summarize what the Bible teaches us to believe about God and salvation and life and faith. And so... We have this document that helps guide us and helps explain what it is that we believe. Where we find it, if we do, to be out of accord with Scripture, it is not Scripture that has changed, but the confession of faith. And so we deal with this as something that's not Scripture, but is a faithful summary of Scripture. This week, we've come to chapter 1, paragraph 6. Chapter 1 is all about Holy Scripture and the different doctrines of Scripture and what we believe about Scripture. Paragraph 6 deals specifically with the sufficiency of the Bible, the sufficiency of God's revelation, the sufficiency of Holy Scripture. Let me pray for us, and then I'll read this paragraph and offer a few thoughts on what it says. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you also for this faithful summary of your word. We pray that you would help us to believe rightly what your word teaches, that we may honor you, that we may glorify you in all that we do, that we may find the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Westminster Confession of Faith 1.6 says this, the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture, unto which nothing at any time is to be added, whether by new revelations of the Spirit or traditions of men. Nevertheless, we acknowledge the inward illumination of the Spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word, and that there are some circumstances concerning the worship of God and government of the church common to human actions and societies, which are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence according to the general rules of the Word, which are always to be observed. There's a lot in this paragraph. This is actually just two long, rather dense sentences that the Westminster divines, those men who penned the Westminster Confession and Catechism, that they wrote for us to help us understand the sufficiency and necessity of the Word of God, the sufficiency and necessity of Holy Scripture. And so in these two very dense sentences, we have a lot of very helpful information, several very helpful statements for helping us understand how the Bible directs us and how it should direct us in life and godliness. So it begins with the whole counsel of God, and then it gives some qualifiers. 
So right at the beginning, what we have is that the whole counsel of God concerning those things that are necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life. So the Bible isn't the record of every single thing that God has thought or even every single thing that he has foreordained to come to pass. Rather, it's the whole counsel of God concerning that which is necessary for his glory, that is for us to be able to glorify him as he has created us to do. Concerning all things necessary for his own glory and man's salvation. That, that is the way of salvation, what it means to be saved and how we enter into this state of blessedness that we know as salvation. Concerning all things necessary for faith. What does it mean to live by faith? What is faith? concerning all things necessary for life. In other words, how is it that we live as Christians in this world? So it's not that every thought of God or or every secret thing of God is revealed in Scripture. Rather, everything that is necessary for His glory, man's salvation, faith, and life, it tells us is one of two things. Either expressly set down in scripture. That means it is stated plainly that we are to glorify God, that the way of salvation is by grace through faith in Christ and not by works. It's expressly set down. It's stated plainly what faith is, who is the right object of our faith. And it's expressly set down in scripture. It's plainly stated how it is that we are to live. What are the rules that God has given us by which we glorify him? So all of these things are either expressly set down in scripture, and we can think of examples of all of these things where they are expressly set down in scripture, or a second category, by good and necessary consequence, they may be deduced from scripture. The easiest example here is this last category of the things necessary for life, that is, for how we live a Christian life in this world. We find the principle, love your neighbor as yourself. Consider others more important than yourself. We find these principles expressly set down in Scripture, plated, uh, stated plainly. However, we have to use good and necessary consequence to understand how to apply those things in different situations, in different circumstances of life, in different contexts in which we may find ourselves. We are always to love our neighbor as ourself. But what that looks like from time to time, from situation to situation, from circumstance to circumstance, may vary to some measure. And so by good and necessary consequence, we have to deduce from Scripture how we do that. But then it adds these statements about Scripture. Unto which nothing at any time is to be added. And then it gives two categories that we are tempted to use to add things to Scripture. Nothing is to be added, whether by new revelations of the Spirit or by traditions of men. We, we don't get to play this trump card that is so often played of, well, the Spirit led me to do X. Now, I'm not saying here that the Spirit doesn't lead us. But when the Bible gives some particular command, for instance, don't divorce your spouse. You don't get to come along and say, well, the Spirit led me 
to divorce my spouse. We don't get to do that. Or if the, the Bible gives some principle such as, I don't know, don't steal. We don't get to contradict that and say, well, the Spirit is leading me to do this. We don't get to use the Spirit leading us as a trump card either to get us out from under the clear commands of Scripture or to bind somebody else's conscience. Nor do we get to use the traditions of men in this way. Presbyterians have all kinds of traditions. There's a certain way we do things. But we don't get to use that to bind the consciences of other churches when it is only the way that we have agreed to do things. So that's the first sentence that we have in this section of the confession. The next sentence gives some more clarity. Nevertheless, it says, we acknowledge two things. One, the inward illumination of the Spirit of God to be necessary for the saving understanding of such things as are revealed in the Word. In other words, though Scripture is sufficient, though it is all that we need, the confession here reminds us that it is spiritually comprehended. That is, that it is not just by our own rationale that we get it, but by the Spirit of God illumining our minds and hearts that we might understand and accept and believe what is expressly set down in Scripture and by good and necessary consequence is deduced from Scripture. Understanding the Bible, rightly interpreting the Bible, isn't a purely human activity. It is an activity for which we need the Spirit of God. So, again, when it's saying that the new revelations of the Spirit are are not something that we get to trump Scripture with, he's not saying, the confession is not saying that the Spirit no longer is at work, the Spirit no longer leads us. It immediately follows that to remind us that, no, this inward illumination is absolutely necessary if we are going to rightly understand the Word of God. It also acknowledges that though Scripture is sufficient, there are some circumstances, specifically concerning the worship of God and the government of church, and and those common human actions, those circumstances that are common to, to human actions and societies, there are some circumstances, it tells us, that are to be ordered by the light of nature and Christian prudence. For instance... What time should church start? The Bible tells us we should gather for worship, but it doesn't tell us when. Yes, we gather on the first day of the week, but should we gather at 9, or should we gather at 10 or 11, or should we gather in the evening? Or should the whole day be taken up with worship? Or, Or should we be together corporately for an hour and the rest of the day be given to private worship. The Bible doesn't lay those things out. And so we use the light of nature and Christian prudence according to the word of God, according to the general rules of the word to make those decisions. Another example that Chad Van Dixhorn points out, the Bible tells us that churches should have more than one elder leading them. But it doesn't say how many more. Two, three, twelve. And so we look at our church. 
we see what the needs are, we see what the size is, and, and we think through how many men do we need in place to do this. We don't get to say we don't need any, or we only need one, but we don't get to demand a particular number. Rather, by praying and seeking the Spirit's leading and, and by thinking through what is the work to be done and what does it require, we decide how many elders that a church needs. So the Bible is sufficient. The Bible is necessary. But that doesn't undermine our need for the Spirit. And it doesn't deny that there are some things that God just asks us to use our brain to figure out. But everything concerning His glory, our salvation, faith, and life, the Bible is sufficient for. It's either plainly stated or can be deduced plainly from Scripture by good and necessary consequence. Might we learn to see Scripture as sufficient, to rest in it, and to be satisfied with what it teaches. Amen. Thank you.